Glad to have everybody here today. I pray that you're ready for some word. Um, you know, uh, each week I get excited because I, I have five or six sermons always stirring in my head and uh, never know what direction we're going to go. And uh, it's, it's neat when I finally find out the targeted direction and then I get to really set in and focus. And uh, this week I have to admit that uh, I've been chewing on this thought for about four or five days, and it's the one the Lord wanted me to share, so I'm excited. So I might be a little more um, hyper today than normal, and if so, that's the reason, okay? Because I have, I've, been, I've been soaking in this thing, okay? It's like the old pickle, uh, the cucumber that gets pickleized by some pickle juice. I've been pickleized today, all right, by the Word of God, and I pray that you're encouraged by the Word. Um, there was a pastor who was supposed to marry a couple at the end of the service, and during the sermon, as he was preaching, it dawned on him he forgot their name. So he thought, how in the world am I going to do this at the end of the service? I don't even remember the couple's name. So it got time at the end of the service, and it was about time for the wedding to begin. And he asked the congregation, he says, for those of you that wanted to get married, would you come forward now? And 22 people came to the front. <laughs> all right. Don't do that today, please. All right. Um, today, I want to um, reflect a new facet of the diamond of grace to you. What I mean by that is we have been hearing a lot of, of, of different views of grace. We've, grow, we've grown in grace. We, we're learning to rest in grace. We're learning that uh, God came to reveal how much He loves us through His Son. We learn that Jesus is grace. We learn that Jesus is truth, that Jesus is life that Jesus is peace. We've learned that all those facets of grace are amazing and wonderful, and we can rest in them. We find now that we're no longer uh, fearing the guilt and condemnation and shame of past sins or past teachings and things in our life, but that we have been forgiven, been loved, and we're starting to see how much God really loves us. But I want to show you today something that has caused a believer... Not to trust in God. Now our money in America says in God we trust. But that is so watered down in the realm of the world stance. When they see that, most people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, even in the church, it's hard for a believer to trust in God. The reason it's hard to trust is because somewhere in the back of our minds through our upbringing, through our teaching, or looking at Adam and Eve, we have conjured up in our minds this some, some way, shape, or form that, that God has um, uh, forsaken us. There was a time when we were forsaken by God. We felt that because we saw what happened with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, they felt separated from God. The Bible even says that Adam and Eve went and they, they, they hid themselves. And they, they sewed them up some, some fig leaves and made a little outfit to hide behind because they realized that they were naked. They felt like God had forsaken them. I want to show you today that if you ever feel like God has forsaken you, and let's look at a definition of forsaken. It's abandoned or turned his back upon you. In our Christian walk, there's times when we feel like God has abandoned us or God has turned his back on us, especially when we think of, of the sin in our life or the stuff in our life that we're not proud of, so we know God's not. 
So in our minds, we have been, if you want to call it brainwashed, we have been taught that God is upset with us. And I've taught you many times through many scriptures that that is not true. According to Colossians chapter 2, it says that we were, or chapter 1 verse 29, and it says that we were once enemies and aliens in our minds for the wicked works that we'd done with God. We, in other words, we were aliens with God in our minds because of the wicked works. It was man's idea. Man conjured up that God was angry at him. Let me ask you a question. I've done this before, but I want to kind of lead you into today's teaching. When Adam and Eve failed that day, when they gave into the enemy's deception that God is holding something back from you, you don't need to trust God because God's not a God of His Word. God did not create you in His image because if He had, then why doesn't He want you to have the knowledge of good and evil? So Adam and Eve fall into the trap of, well, maybe we, maybe we can't trust God. Maybe God doesn't want us to have something, but He said we have everything. Is God lying to me? So they partook of the fruit. After they ate the fruit and after they sinned, where was God? The Bible says God came to meet Adam to walk with him in the cool of the day. I love that. He didn't come with a whooping stick and say, Adam and Eve, get over there. You're in trouble now. It's time for some chastisement. Are you ready? God didn't do that, did he? God loved them so much that it disturbed him that they found out they were naked. Because the first question he asked was, Adam, where are you? Uh, hiding. Adam says, we're naked. And God says, who told you that you're naked? Adam and Eve quit trusting that God could clothe them in their nakedness. Y'all, get this nugget. They trusted in God up to this point. But because they were deceived by the enemy... They felt like now it's time for us to fix the problem. Do y'all see that? Your trust went from God to your own ability. So trust in God for a believer is difficult. Because we trust more in ourselves and our own ability to get ourselves out of a a situation than we do the God who we serve. True? There's a TV show that comes on on Sunday nights, and it hadn't been on for a while. I don't know if it's just because the season is over and they're going to have new episodes. There was a show, I don't know if anybody has seen it, it's called Long Lost Family. Has anybody seen that? Long Lost Family is there are two different hosts of the show, a man and a woman. And they do two stories every show on Sunday night. And what it is is simply this. They will go to an adult who was adopted off to another family as a child or they were abandoned and they could not find their parents and they've looked for their loved ones for years and it's like 40 or 50 year reunions like the old show truth or consequence when bob barker used to have somebody come out and surprise a family you know years ago and and they didn't hadn't seen someone they loved in years well it's similar to that show so they tell a story of a person maybe a kid who heard that by his adopted parents that his real mother didn't want him So this kid is disturbed by that, and he's made up in his mind that he doesn't even trust his his biological mother anymore, and he doesn't even want to see her. 
And the host of the show comes and says, hey, listen, we, we do the Ancestry.com. We, we we're big about finding your loved ones. Do you want us to help you? No. And they said, well, but what if, what if we find her? Would you be, at least consider talking to her? All right, I'll consider talking to her. They get into the story and they find out that the boy finally sees his mother for the first time and there's this big emotional homecoming and they're hugging and they see the similarities of each other and it's been 30, 40 years. And the first question out of the mouth after the, the hello is this, why did you leave me? In almost every case, here's what they say. I was very young. I was pregnant and my parents were against me, first of all, even being pregnant at my age. So they advised me that it's best if I give you to a family who can afford to raise you. And that's what I did. And the facial, the characteristics of this person's face, the the features change from uh, anger to a countenance change to, you did that for me? You love me that much? Do y'all realize that the word forsaken in the Bible does not mean to abandon or to turn your back upon? It means to set free for. To be set free for. That's what the word, um, uh, uh, when he says, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God, God, the word forsake in the Bible is, is a different definition than our English definition. Because we always think of abandon or turn your back on. But what he means by when he says that I've never left you nor forsaken you is this. God established mankind to be set free from wanting to do everything in the realm of flesh. When Adam and Eve failed, it disturbed God's spirit that these people would want to try to hide and fix the problem themselves. Because right then, God realized they didn't trust in him. God's desire is that we all would trust in him. Now, how many of y'all grew up believing this? That the reason that Jesus went to the cross was for your sins. Okay, so take it a step further. How many of y'all believed that you're the reason Jesus is on the cross? Right? Let me ask you this. How many of y'all believe that God took his anger that was for you and he took it out upon his son to spare you a whooping. Now, this is the way we were raised. We were taught this, right? Let me just educate y'all. Y'all ready for a good word? God loved mankind before the foundations of the world. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love by while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. God demonstrated his love before your sins were dealt with. Before he went to the cross, God loved you in spite of your flaws and your junk. God did not want you to be in the realm of death and sin and under that law of bondage. So he sent his son to represent the Trinity to come and to do something for you and me. And here's what he did. Jesus went to the cross to reveal to you and I that we can trust the Father. Because the Father has never forsaken you. What about in the garden, brother? What about, hey, in fact, I'll even take another step. You ready for this? God never even forsake Jesus. Woo, listen how quiet it is. You know, I know why y'all are quiet, because you heard Jesus say something on the cross, didn't you? 
My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Have you ever looked at that scripture in context and not taken it just a word off of a page? Today I want to introduce you to how to trust in God. Here's how we're going to trust in God. First of all, we've got to get rid of the fact that we have been somewhere in our life um, abandoned or rejected by God. As long as we feel there's rejection, we're never going to trust. Y'all see this? If I, look, let, let's just talk about this for a moment. If my brother who's older was better than me in my household, and I was the one who was always in trouble, and my brother was always the good kid who always obeyed mom and dad and said the right things, and mom and dad thought he hung the moon, and I was the scoundrel and the booger head, and I'm the black sheep, and I'm the one who shouldn't even be on earth, okay? If that was the case, would it be right and fair that my dad would say, hey, Greg, because I love Barry so much, I'm going to beat you instead, son, for all his wrongdoing. Do y'all realize that someone had to die so that the sin penalty would be taken care of? Everybody with me? Someone had to die to take care of the sin penalty. But that's not the only reason Jesus came to the cross so that he could just die for our sins. The truth of the matter is that God knew we would never experience life eternal without Jesus taking the blunt of our sin. So there's more than just the fact that I was a booger and I, didn't, I deserved my penalty. And so I go to the cross with that mindset of, thank you, Jesus, for taking care of, for being that perfect lamb that took my sins away. And so because of that, I owe you something. God wants us to see way beyond that. God wants us to see that he wanted us to trust him from the very beginning. It's all about trust. It's all about never in your mind thinking again that God has abandoned you or he abandoned Christ. I'm going to show you in a few minutes what that meant when Jesus said, uh, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I'm going to show you in context where that comes from. But let's talk about something now. God gave us an element called faith when we came into understanding who we are in him. Grace gave me faith so that I could be saved. Amen? Faith is not something that I do. Faith is something that God did through us and for us. Faith does something for me. It's not me doing something to get something. God gave us faith <laughs> so that we can get something. What is faith? It's being persuaded. It, faith is possessing what God says I have. Boy, it is quiet today. Sometimes I wonder, I think, man, maybe I'm going too deep or I'm talking, laying too many nuggets out there. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to confuse you. I don't want you, hey, I know when I used to go to, to the buffets with all the food, you, you, you get so frustrated because it all looks so good that you're, you, you're never satisfied get a little spaghetti and Mexican, and, and it's like you're like, oh, I wish I had just stuck with the meatloaf. I don't want you all going there. I promise this is gonna bring, I'm bringing you somewhere, okay? So hang with me. The, the concept in our minds in the church is that God is angry with us. God has alienated us. God is, is mad at us. God is, has separated himself from us because of sin. 
And we've proven that to be wrong by Scripture in that, uh, the, the, in Colossians when it says it's only by our own evil ways and in our minds we thought that. So God wants us to renew our minds that before the foundation of the world, He's always loved us. Therefore, He wants us to always trust Him in all situations. But, but the reason we have a problem is because we still take the old Adam mindset. I have failed. I've sinned. i got to make me a, a fig suit. Can I tell you something? The last Adam also was naked. Y'all remember that? Jesus was naked on the cross. They took his clothes and they had they'd cast lots for his clothes. He was on the cross naked. But Jesus trusted that the Father would clothe him. Big difference. Adam ran and found a fig leaf, and when that didn't work, God provided Adam some clothes, didn't he? Go ahead and get an animal and cover up, dude. Jesus, being God himself, revealed to us that God wants you to trust him in all situations. You never saw Jesus going, hey, Dad, I'm naked. No, because the Father clothed him in glory and righteousness. He did the same for you and me. But we've got to trust Him through all these trials in life. We've got to learn to trust God no matter what. And the only way we'll ever learn to trust God is when we see in our minds that God was never and has never, as the Bible says, Paul says, He'll never leave you nor forsake you. God will not turn His back on you and He's not going to abandon you. Not because of something you've done. If that's the case, think about that for a moment. If I really think that God has abandoned me because of sin then how can I believe that God sees my sin and demonstrate His love for me that He took care of it? <laughs> That's an oxymoron. That's saying, no, He's angry. At we, if He's angry at me, He won't save me. Okay, you're not angry. You love me. <laughs> Have you all ever thought about that? What a messed up stinking thinking. We're so holy and religious that we just go along with what the, the, the ebb and flow say. It's time that we start seeking for ourselves the truth of what God's grace came to do. His grace came to claim you as love from the beginning, well, before the foundations of the world. And if you've been loved, then you don't have to question if your mama gave you up or not. (laughs) Trust is only wounded when we feel abandoned or felt like somebody turned their back on us. In a marriage... You can break trust like that. Any kind of friendship, you can break trust like that. In a family, you can break trust like that. But my God does not break His trust with you. See, God keeps His word. The problem is, is that we are on the other side. We're still in the old Adam mindset. That when I fail, what, do y'all remember the, the Bible character? Um, oh man, what was his name? The dude who built the... Tower of Babel. Remember that? Uh, Nimrod. Nimrod. Remember Nimrod? Nimrod saw what happened after the flood, and he's looking there, and he's saying, Dad, God, man, he says, that God's pretty stern. We better build us a tower and show God that, hey, we're godly people, and we love him. And they built a tower, trying to build a tower to heaven. Now, what was wrong with that story? They believed that God uh, uh, abandoned people or turned his back upon people. They believed that. Well, Brother Barry, didn't he? No. Look, you ever think about this? When the Ten Commandments came and the children of Israel were demanding a law to live by, we want a law to live by, and God never wanted them to have it because he knew they could not keep it. But God finally 
gave in and said, fine. Do you know why God did that? Do you know why God gave them the law? The same reason (laughs) and purpose that is used today to show you that you're sorry and you need a Savior. God thought, okay, I've given them mercy and grace through this whole wilderness experience, and these people still want to go back to the old Adam way and show me how righteous they are based on what they do. And God says, all right, you know what? I'm a loving God. Man has free choice. You want, a, you want some commandments? I'll give you some commandments. And you're not going to be able to keep them, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. And he gave them the commandments that they could not keep. Do you know why he did that? So they would get tired of trying to do it within their self-effort and realize, you know what? The second, or the last Adam, excuse me, the last Adam took care of that situation because he became the law by fulfilling it. He fulfilled what man could not. So we learn to trust in this new facet of our Christian walk. So if God didn't forsake me, and he didn't forsake Jesus, I guess i got to prove that, don't I? Go with me, if you would, to uh, Mark um, chapter 27, verse 46. Matthew chapter 27, Mm-mm-mm. Matthew 27, and then I want you to look at verse uh, 46, okay? Matthew 27 and 46, here is the famous quote, And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama, and he used the word there, and then he goes from Arabic to that. He says, that is a say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus is on the cross, and I want you all to notice something. He had been ridiculed, he had been made fun of by some very peculiar people, ones that we know very well. The priest and the scribes were mocking Jesus on the cross. Go back with me, if you don't mind, to verse um, uh, 20, 20, uh, 35. It says, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture, and it says, And he cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his accusation now back in the day whatever you did wrong they would put it on the cross well they put king of the jews because he said he was god's son the king of the jews and they were mocking him it was a mockery it was sarcasm it was not proclaimed now little did they know it was the truth but they found out later but it was done out of mockery and making fun of okay they said over his head written that this is the king of the jews then were there two thieves crucified with him one on the right hand the other on the left who had passed and reveled him and wagging their heads and saying, you who will destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Now watch this. If you be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him with the scribes and the elders. Did you all see that? Chief priests, scribes, and elders are mocking Jesus on the cross. And they said, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. 
He trusted God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. Now here's Jesus hanging on the cross, hearing all this mockery about who they said, that, who he said that he was. And they were laughing because they didn't think he could come down off the cross. Every time that Jesus was approached by a Pharisee or a Sadducee, what was he the master of doing? Y'all remember? He always shut them up by speaking the word of God. And he used the law to shut them up. Remember when the Pharisees said, uh, hey, Lord, what you're doing here on this day, this ain't right. And Jesus says, hang on a minute now. And Jesus started saying, if you even dare look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Did Jesus not say that? All right. So what did Jesus do? Jesus could have easily said, hey, guys, just hush up and back, back off, okay? No, he used the law to show them that they fell short. Guess what Jesus was speaking right here? Do you all have any idea? Now, you have to remember, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, these people knew the old Jewish teachings because they had to memorize them to get their title. Jesus was actually quoting a prophecy of David, King David. Go back to Psalms 22, if you would, and let me show you something good today. Are you all ready to be encouraged? Amen. Half of y'all look like you're sleeping, and that's okay. It might be boring today, but I got excited about this word. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. Psalms 22. Let's go. Look what Psalms 22 says. Verse 1. You ready? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> Jesus was quoting what David the prophet said, God used, revealed to David a vision of Christ and what he was going to go through. And David is writing what God is speaking. Now what David's doing is, he is giving in to me. What Jesus was doing is, Jesus is reading what they knew he would say. Watch. Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my roaring? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you hear me not in the night season, and I'm not silent. And the old, the old Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes are starting to high-five and get excited. But flip to verse 24, if you would, okay? Actually, verse 23. O oh, you who fear the Lord, praise him, all ye the seeds of Jacob. Glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and neither has he hid his face from him. But when he cries unto him, he heard. They're all capital H's. It's talking about when Jesus was crying, the Father heard him. He was showing the, 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 the Pharisees that day that your lie is really a truth. Glory to God. Whew. My praise shall be of you in the great congregation, and I will pay my vows before them who fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied, and they shall praise the Lord who seek him. Your heart shall live forever. Jesus was proclaiming a word that these boys knew changed from this thing of a false accusation to a truth. And Jesus was revealing to them that my God will always love you. He'll never leave you, nor will he forsake you. God did not forsake Jesus. If he did, Jesus would have never risen. 
But because Jesus rose, you and I also can say with a happy face that our God will never leave us nor forsake us. And therefore, my trust in God is stable and will never change because God has never changed either. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through today. I know uh, the Moors got some, some negative news from some doctors. I know some of y'all may be gotten some bad news this past week. It may be dealing with your job. It may be dealing. I don't know what your situation is, but I don't care what it is. We have a God who we can trust in <laughs> to bring us through this and, and even bless us in the times of these trials. Do y'all believe that today? Don't go basing it on five years ago. He didn't help me in that time and situation. Probably because you were so eat up in law. God cannot help you when you're helping yourself. I'm going to say it again. God cannot help you when you're helping yourself. Adam got what he deserved. A fig leaf that shrank in no time flat. He realized that his effort will never satisfy God. God is satisfied when man realizes that how much he loved you. That he sent his son not just to take care of a sin. He put Jesus on the cross so that he could prove to all of us that he's a God that you can trust. <laughs> That's heavy right there. That's heavy. You remember? He gave you faith, not something for you to do, but actually so that something can come out of you, so that it can, something can be done for you. The same way with trust. Trust isn't something I do. Trust is uh, who I am in him. I naturally know that I'm connected to God through Christ, so that's where my mind is. So when troubles come, if I don't believe that I'm in Christ, I'm going to waver and feel abandoned and ignored. But if I know who I am in Him, my mind doesn't go there anymore. And if my mind's not going there anymore, guess what? The fruit of my labor will not come forth because I'm no longer trying to earn my way in. I'm just resting and watching what He has and will do in my life. Now, I'm going to quit on that, but I want you all to think about this today. We've been talking about grace for seven, eight, nine years. I don't know how long it's been. We've been learning about grace. You know what? Isn't it amazing that when it comes to a simple word as trust, trust is like a layup to a basketball player. Trust is a basic. Trust is like a baby crying for its bottle. It should come natural in the early stages of our Christian walk. We should have been trusting God nine years ago in grace. The reason we hadn't trusted Him was because in the back of our minds, we still feel like God is upset or I've done something to make Him forsake me. When are you going to believe that my God will never leave you and He'll never forsake you? That program I was telling you about it's always neat that at the end of the show, they'll give an update, a current update of how the couple or the mom, dad, or the kids are doing with their parents. I've never seen one yet where it said they talk for once or twice and they're no longer in communication. But every time it says so-and-so is now enjoying her five grandchildren for the first time in her life, it's always that, that relationship was like it's always been. I love that. And that's what God wants you to know is that, listen, everything he established and put in Christ, he put in you. 
everything that Christ is, you are. Everything. You need hope today? Hope is in you. You need power today? Power's in you. You need healing today? The healer's in you. When we believe that and trust that God really did that, we're going to see some miracles. We're going to see some incredible stuff happen. Blake Harden uh, listens to a minister by the name of uh, Dan Muller. And Dan is one of these kind of guys that he's he's not like most of us. He don't get caught up in the worldly stuff at all. Dan Moeller, he, he, if you see him off to his side, he'll be talking to himself because he's talking to the Lord. He is in such a relationship with God that he laughs. He'll be just laughing by himself. You're going, is he okay? And he's just, he just in love with Jesus. He, he, if you hear him teach and preach, he's so caught up in what the Holy Spirit has taught him and teaching him and telling him that he, he sees himself as a part of the Trinity unified as one as god wanted us to be from the get-go he is there right now and is seeing divine miracles on an everyday basis if you go to his website and read the guy has had tons of not just healings but i'm talking about deliverances all that comes from knowing who we are in him there's no doubt it's pure trust that god meant what he said when he said i will never leave you nor forsake you so if that's the case then when God says that old things pass away, uh, behold, all things become new, do you believe it? It doesn't happen if you do something first. It doesn't happen if you're perfect. It happens when you see yourself as the one with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. That's powerful. It's another sermon. I want to challenge you today. When you leave here, Whatever you're facing. Some of y'all saying, hey, life's good right now. Well, mail's coming tomorrow, okay? Um, life's just full of goodies. When the junk comes, learn to rest in God's promise and say, you know what? My God's got this. My God's got this. Me and uh, June and DA have a business, uh, an auction house. Happy, happy's auction. Happy, happy, happy. Every Friday night. Um, you know, we, we've been through a lot of trials in that little crazy business. A lot of trials. And there's times when, when we get looking at the natural, and it'll get you discouraged, man. Working our tails off, and there ain't no money, and, and you're just making people happy, 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 you know. And, and, and you, you go through that. But you know what? I love when through that discussion... One of the three of us are going to go, hey, hang on. And we will, won't we? Hey, God's got this thing. <laughs> it's bigger than us. It's going to work out. Y'all listen, we're not there where we're talking and walking in that every day. But what would happen if we were? Really? You know, there's nothing better than when someone comes and encourages you in your junk. And how they encourage you is based on what God says, not what they say. People pay and go to a counselor to hear what a counselor has to say about their problems. Hey, the best counselor is the Holy Spirit using this right here to instruct and guide you and deliver you of all circumstances. Right? Amen. So when you leave today, in the back of your mind, if you've ever thought that you have been forsaken by God, God didn't forsake His Son and neither did He forsake you. 
He loved you. And listen, he didn't even forsake the Pharisees. He even gave them hope through what Jesus proclaimed. at the. Remember, hey, here, here's proof that God didn't abandon Jesus on the cross. Are you ready for this? Because Jesus says, Father, today I commend my spirit. I give my spirit to you. <laughs> that means that there was, a, there was something there, okay? He could have said, Lord, I don't know where you're at. I guess it's over. <laughs> no, he didn't end there. He says, hey, Lord, here it is. I, I commend my spirit. I love that. I commit my spirit to you. Um, all right. Well, praise the Lord. I hope you were encouraged this morning. Uh, hopefully I made you think because it's good to think in grace. All right? Get you thinking. It means your mind's working. If your mind's working, you'll be focused on the right things. And hey, watch out. Good things happen. Let's stand, if you would, this morning. Uh, we don't have to have a song. We're going to uh, stand, sing. I mean, we're going to stand and do a prayer, and then we'll do an offering, and then you all be dismissed, all right? Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you, Lord, for whatever they're going through because, God, they have you to lean on and to trust in. And, Father, uh, may trust never waver again. May trust not be a temporary uh, experience, but, God, I pray that they see that trust is a, a permanent permanent guarantee god that you're there all the time and you will not leave us and will not forsake us father i thank you that uh you have given us that assurance through christ that you restored uh to us what uh the first adam uh had lost for us but but thank god for the last adam who came and trusted in you in all things and today lord we also get to be seated with him at the right hand of you and father i just give you praise and honor and ask that you bless each one today whatever they're going through whatever our family members are going through father may all we hear in our minds is that you have not abandoned us but that you love us and we can trust you and i thank you for that assurance through the word of god in jesus name we pray amen